Hello and welcome to Isolation and Me. I'm Blanche Anderson, voiceover actor and filmmaker. This is a podcast which explores personal experiences during the COVID-19 outbreak. It discusses the highs and the lows and whether we can find any positives in this unusual and uncertain situation. Matty and I first met way back in 2008, where we both attended the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. I was an overly chatty actor. He was a tall and hairy comdram. Nothing changes. Outside of uni, most of our time was spent seeing Liverpool's stunning sights, i.e. the flute, where, you know, you could get a bottle of wine for £5, Magnet, where it was Jaeger bombs galore, and Shiraz, the best kebab shop in all of Hardman Street. Ah, Matty, do you miss those uni days? Oh, yes, yes, Blanche. It's nice to see that some of the old discrimination against the Comdram students hasn't subsided. (laughs) I'm just hairy. That's all you remember me for, my hair. And tall. And hairy. And tall, yeah. Yeah, tall and hairy. Um, I think we've both got a good amount of like incriminating evidence on each other from those days, but we this is not what the podcast is about, luckily. So the last time I saw Matty was, um, I think it was a couple of years ago when I went to Leeds, where you were living at the time, um, and I stayed at yours, and I also roped you into acting in the film um, that I was filming there. And um, yeah, much like I've now roped you into doing this podcast. So yeah, used and abused, eh, Matty? Absolutely, absolutely. Good, and I'm glad... Glad you're happy for me too. Here's some warm-up questions, you know, before we get to the juicy stuff. Are you ready? Yes. Good. You're very um decisive. Yes. Okay, not trying to expose you here, by the way, <laughs> I promise. But um, how often are you going out at the moment? Once every two days. Very specific. And why aren't you going out every day like you're allowed to? Uh, I just, I'm just not disciplined enough, I don't think. I, I get caught up in work and all other kinds of home stuff. And then it's about eight o'clock at night and I haven't been out of the house. It's weird. When you stop going out as much, you kind of just get sucked into a different routine, don't you? But then I feel pressure of being like, I have to go out at least once because I don't know when full lockdowns coming do you know what I mean oh yeah 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 well we've got a little tiny back garden where we are which you know I was quite looking forward to but one of the neighbours is a big uh, fan of Scouse House, so it's um, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's kind of sh- sharing a bit of drum and bass yeah. whilst trying to read, so oh. it's been a failed project so far. I hope it doesn't happen today. I've got to say my um, neighbours outside are having some sort of big barbecue, so you might hear background noise from that too. Ah, neighbours. And drinking, have you been drinking more or less or the same as before? Um, no drinking, no drinking at all. Oh yes, I forgot this. Last time I saw you, I think... You were drinking, but then you decided that you were going to stop. So how long have you not been drinking for then, ever? Well, I kind of, you know, as as you know, Blanche, some of the good old days, I, <laughs> I probably was seen with a pint of Guinness or something in my hand at every turn. But um, <laughs> I think the last two years, I kind of have stopped the casual social drinking. And But saying that, though, I, I still quite enjoy a good night out. I was in Newcastle a good few weeks ago, and I seem to have lost a weekend and the following week, I think, so... <laughs> Yeah, yes. that's what booze does to you. I was going to say, I'm glad it was a good few weeks ago because uh, we've been in lockdown the last three or whatever. Mm. <laughs> and in terms of coronavirus, are you worried about getting it? I think I've had it. Oh, oh gosh. Do you want to go into that? Yeah, about about two weeks ago, I was, well, before lockdown officially kicked in, I was I was down south visiting family and friends, which I was really lucky. Mm. Um, but then I kind of came back up on the train and uh, my brother was freaking out, saying, I can't believe you're going on public transport. And I thought I'd be all mm. right. And about two days later, I I lost all my sense of smell and taste. Um, mm. I thought it was a like a sinusitis issue, but uh-huh. 
Um, it turns out that it's actually one of the first indicators of coronavirus, and I just I didn't have any of the cough or the flu or anything, but I was I was really slow and groggy for about yeah. I don't know three or four days, um, and couldn't taste anything, which was really miserable. Oh, I know it's like torture, isn't it? I mean, mm. I'm, I'm sure there's worse worse things that could be happening to you, but um, yeah, for us food lovers, what? Um, yeah, I I think that wasn't they didn't release that early on though, like they didn't find that out um, until fairly recently. Recently compared to the cough and uh, fever part did they no no well that's it i kind of i kind of marched over to the pharmacist and i was like i can't smell anything and he went oh here's some sudafed then <laughs> i got home and then you know i told my mum and she kind of jumped on it and said you need to read the news all the ent specialists <laughs> are saying it's the first sign of coronavirus mm, i'm surprised you're so, not reading the news i thought you'd be like right in there every day no well I am, but you know, it, it, I think at present it's overwhelming, oh, yeah. isn't it? There's so much of it. That's the you know can't keep up with all the niche bits as well as all the major headlines. Oh yeah, and also like some things you can tell some of them are just trying to get traction from people reading it. Like the headlines are, I don't know, the media are going for the shock factor quite a lot of the time, aren't they? Because I guess there's so much competition. So yeah, sometimes you can find yourself in a bit of a black hole reading. <laughs> different articles about mm. it so how long do you think this isolation period will last for um i think we're probably looking at probably another i think another five six weeks i thought you're gonna say months there thank goodness no no i think but saying that though all at work we've postponed graduation a lot of the graduations across the country are all postponed now so i think mm-hmm. it'll be a real i think the initial kind of lockdown thing will be another five six weeks and after that it'll be some phased return to normality where you can't have gatherings of over a thousand people mm-hmm. or so it's going to be a long road back i think generally yeah i wonder if do you think they're going to um delay the start of term the new term well what they're talking about what we've kind of heard rumblings of is that they're not going to delay the start of term but it's all everything is potentially going to start remotely in september oh gosh yeah so sorry matty is are you, well introduce yourself matty what do you do <laughs> just while we're on it so thank <laughs> oh, thank you blanche so <laughs> I am a tall, hairy lecturer in um, applied theatre and community drama at the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts, where we both studied. Yeah, quite a physical course, I'd imagine. So going to be tricky. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think generally it was a big shock to Lipper. Generally, obviously a lot of certainly the dance and the acting courses whose final Mm -hmm. term of work is predominantly all based on productions yeah i remember yeah they've had to find all their alternative assessments and mm-hmm. stuff like that so yeah it's been a very challenging time yeah i bet we can touch on that in a, in a min the reason i've added this question and no one else gets this sort of thing is just because i think you're quite um politically engaged actually i was about to say about you going to you went to south america at one point and you were kind of like you were doing drama work in prisons and things weren't you yes yeah yeah in chile so you're very switched on what is your opinion about the government how they're handling things so far i think initially they were the government were really slow jumping on top i think it was about a five or six day window from don't worry let's kind of continue as normal then all of a sudden we're into lockdown i Mm -hmm. thought that was really quite slow and sloppy on their behalf and i think the current issue with the protective equipment is pretty astonishing Mm -hmm. but i think the most interesting thing politically at the moment is that the tory party who generally do not believe in big government spending or state spending are mm-hmm. quite happily dip- dipping their hands into their pockets and their purses and a very really big spending splurge and quite ironically is that some of the policies and some of the spending policies they're putting out sound as almost if Jeremy Corbyn wrote them so that's quite yeah. strange 
It is interesting with the furloughing. I mean, thank goodness that they're doing mm. that. And it's it's very, yeah, like you said, it is more um, Labour government. Do you think there would have been a difference in the way, well, there would have been because it's a different party, but say if Corbyn was leader of the country, what differences do you think there would have been? I think with in regards to state spending and some of those issues, I think it, some of the decisions would have been a lot quicker. I think politically and philosophically for a lot of Tories, the notion of enforcing measures onto the public like lockdown, Mm -hmm. I think that really challenges some of their inherent beliefs about freedom Mm -hmm. and liberties and stuff like that. So I think they were probably slow having to kind of wrangle with their own Mm -hmm. belief systems. Um, So I think the Corbyn government, not saying they would be better or anything like that, but I don't think they would have had some of those issues at the start they would have just passed a lot of this legislation probably put the lockdown into place and had no issue with splashing the cash i'm so grateful that we've still got that one exercise a day even though some people are really pushing the boundaries i don't think sunbathing's exercise but uh, mm. maybe it is exercising the right to have a tan um <laughs> yeah i just um i'm so grateful that we still got that because it, honestly i've got a fear that it's coming but it's going to be such a, a difference you know mental health wise i think especially for those who don't have gardens and things like that even your tiny little patio with your uh, loud neighbours. So what one thing are you secretly loving about the isolation situation? Um... (laughs) What was that laugh for? (laughs) Uh, I think it's the... Well, I just kind of, you know, it was... um, Work was really busy and just coming off the end of... Uh, the day the national strike ended um, we were all supposed to go back to work they closed the building which you know uh, I think generally when anybody goes on strike uh, going back to work is a bit of a strange experience anyway Um, and that didn't have to happen so uh, it's quite that's quite a a little gentle relief yeah I see so you went straight from strike to isolation or working from home yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah how long did it go on for the strike you were telling me quickly before we we started this so how long was it for and was it the whole university or was is it like universities throughout Liverpool? So it was a national strike. I think there was uh, 74 universities right. on strike overall. There was We did eight days in October, right. November time, and then we did 14 days February, March. Right, okay. And what was it to do with the quality of education? or? Uh, yeah, paying conditions predominantly mm-hmm. um, and workload. I think, and there was um, also a pensions issue, but that doesn't really apply to staff at Lipper due to we're on a different pension scheme. So, but it was more to do with, so they have to negotiate national pay rates and the union have been asking for two years that we kind of come up to the same level as a retail price index and they never give it to us. So Mm. I think it was a bit of a last, last chance kind of saloon option really. So they've asked, they put out a ballot and Lipper branch voted to strike. So we went out on strike. Probably should just quickly about Lippa. It's just for people that don't know it. Paul McCartney, big, you know, Macca. He created it and it used to be his uh, high school, didn't it? With John Lennon. And he created it into um, a performing arts university. So there was, I don't know what it is now, but was there about 500 or 600 specialist students, anything to do with performing arts? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's kind of the numbers are bumped up to about 800 now. Uh, they've got um, a kid's school now, don't they, attached? Yeah, they've got a primary school and a sixth form. Oof, times have changed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Seems a long time ago we were there. Well, you're still there. <laughs> um, this this one's not good because you've just said that you don't really drink. But um, if you did drink beer, and specifically mm. the beer Corona, um, would you have been put off drinking it like the rest of the nation? It seems. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a niche question, isn't it? It's a very niche question. I, I didn't realise there was such a great fear of the the Corona beer. Yeah, they're having to do like massively um, discounts in stores and things. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, no, I I do quite like a Corona in the summer, so no. <laughs> so nothing would have gotten away. Yeah. It is it's bizarre though. It's very rational, but I guess yeah. it just. I hope it's not going to kill the brand though. I mean, I'm sure booze is flying off the shelves. Yeah, well, I think what I, I read the other day that a booze supermarket sales have boosted by a hundred. 130 million pounds or something ridiculous <laughs> so they're probably doing okay food and drink are gonna be raking the money in that's mm. for sure at least someone is i guess you've touched on it a wee bit about life before with your job do you want to just describe what you what else you were up to before covid19 hit what else was i up to i've gone from a niche question to a very broad question yes yeah 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 can i separate corona lager from a <laughs> influenza strand yes <laughs> uh, to what was i doing i came off a big project in january i was working on a theater for development project in western kenya looking at how theatre can raise awareness about maternity care. Mm. Um, So that kind of finished in January, which took up a lot of time and energy. We made uh, short radio monologues, made 10 radio monologues. And then when I've come back, we've just been writing uh, about that last couple of weeks, as well as kind of getting stuck into all things that are political at Lippa, really. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of miserable. I love cycling. So winter's a terrible time for cycling. So I'm just a bit more of a couch potato and watching lots of series. Have you watched Tiger King? Of course I have. (laughs) I feel like I mentioned it on every episode. I'm not (laughs) being sponsored or anything like that by Tiger King, but it's definitely a good one. There's also one called Unorthodox. Apparently, have you watched that? No, it's it's on my list. It's on the list. It's about, um, well, Jewish culture, I think. I I don't know too much about it. I only started watching like, I don't know, 15 minutes or something. But that that the, the Tiger King's incredible. Oh, yeah. I must say, I, I kind of wanted to ignore it, like it was. I, was, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. And then one episode, you know, and I'm oh, hooked. You're hooked. Yeah, and there, there's also the Louis Theroux one that he interviews Joe Exotic. It was a few years ago. Well, quite a few years ago because he's so much younger and he's still got. Well, I, I'll shan't spoil it for anyone else, but you should watch that. It's on BBC iPlayer at the moment. Mm. It's mind blowing. And then in terms of living, you live with your girlfriend in Liverpool, yeah? Yes. Yeah. We we moved back last. March um, moved to Old Swan in Liverpool, which is lovely and delightful. And we've got our little house and slowly trying to do bits of renovation, which don't happen. <laughs> You've got a lot of time now. Yeah, well, that's, that's what everyone says, you know. <laughs> Although actually you don't because you've been working from home and you've been working hard every single day still, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, that's the problem. Working from home, you can't really switch off. Yeah. Is um, your girlfriend working? What she do? She runs her own theatre company, Mafwa Theatre Company, if anybody is interested. Shout out. That's a big shout out there. Yeah. Uh, working with uh, refugee and asylum seeker women in Leeds so they run she runs that mm-hmm. two days a week and then she also works for Imagine If a prison theatre company so she's just been furloughed with the work there yeah I was going to say obviously those things are very hands on aren't they so mm. um, I heard in prisons that it was spreading quite rapidly as well anywhere yeah well it was a big they were currently in the middle of a project just when it was all kind of kicking off really and the justice system just didn't really seem to have an idea of what they were doing and still demanding essential services continue and mm. kind of put in drama projects under essential services uh, and all kinds of strange stuff. But eventually it kind of got sorted out. Yeah, I guess the biggest change for you is probably the being housebound, I'd imagine. So have you had any big disappointments so far or any like low or upsetting moments because more well, specifically because of coronavirus? Um, I think what I've found quite hard is my granddad, who's 93 years old, um, having some of those conversations with him have been quite 
upsetting really because you know as you were saying at the start there is that the you know you turn on sky news and you know they kind of almost convince you that you're going to die Mm. and you know being 93 years old Mm. and the statistics for his age group you know so having conversations with him he, he, he was convinced it was the end um so oh. that's been quite hard in some respects so we've we've kind of all been all the family and particularly my brother been rallying around and trying to i don't mm. know do things to kind of keep him entertained and distracted from just watching the news mm. so we've just started to do some interviews i kind of do an interview with him once a week about family history oh it's par- that's such a good idea because you know it's something that you'll treasure wouldn't you mm. oh, that's really yeah, nice. yeah are you recording them and things yeah yeah record them on skype and then i'm gonna probably put them into a little short book like an interview transcript oh man that is really lovely i remember uh well, a friend's granddad they did that like they wrote their own biography really mm. it's quite a nice thing to pass down i guess no it's different it's scary and also like i'm guessing he doesn't use the internet as much well he's got skype maybe he's more switched on than i thought yeah he, oh he's quite hardcore you know he kind of got he's got his head around <laughs> skype and he, he get he nips on to the computer he watches goes on to like the live cam feed on the international space station and all that stuff he's he's goodness what a guy yeah, yeah. i can't even work technology sometimes so go him i do think some people uh, say our age or younger they're kind of like well i'll get it it's fine chances of infection are quite high aren't they and a bit more you just got to be a bit more precious i think and i basically have told my parents do not ever leave the house and at the moment they're doing that so yes just don't leave the house um are you able to do shopping for him and stuff or um well my brother my brother takes my brother's kind of his carer anyway so my brother takes care of all that stuff and does the shopping for him so he's quite fortunate he's got a lovely little house which kind of overlooks the sea so he gets to go out and sit in his front garden he still maintains his social distance he can have a bit of the fresh air and all that stuff so yeah he's all right i agree though sometimes actually i'm not so upset for myself it's more other people is there anything that you're like really excited about (laughs) when this is all over you know what's the first thing you're gonna do yeah I, would, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I kind of, you know, a few friends were joking about running around the street naked, you know. Please don't, not again. <laughs> a few crazy things, you know. What can you do once you've got your freedom back? I don't know, actually. In a strange way, is that being in lockdown isn't because, you know, when I was finishing my PhD last year, I kind of put myself in a pseudo lockdown anyway, so I could finish the thing. So I kind of spent mm-hmm. a lot of time indoors working from home anyway. Yeah. So it's not that different. But I think it's probably that weird thing is that you don't. I don't have the liberty to travel, so I can't get in the car to go down. Because obviously I live six hours away from my granddad and my mum, so yeah. I'll probably head straight there, I imagine. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm, I'm very excited about going back to Scotland. So is there anything that has been a bit harder to deal with about social distancing and isolation than you would have thought? I know you're saying that you kind of had it before, but obviously it's, that was self-imposed, whereas now it isn't. We're, I don't know, actually. We're talking about going shopping tomorrow at Tamsin's, because when I was... Um, in self-isolation and it was really strange because Tamsin didn't get any um, symptoms whatsoever oh right yeah even after you did yeah yeah so that was really strange so I don't know shall I tell you what I do find weird is that sometimes I'm going out cycling um, for my one exercise a day mm-hmm. and I, what I find really quite bizarre is I feel like everybody's expectations of everybody else are really heightened. Mm. So it's this awkward thing of you go out your front door and someone looks at you and you think, oh, well, are they looking at me because they think I shouldn't be going out today? Oh, yeah. I've had it a few times. A few people have snarled at me whilst I've been cycling, which is a bit weird. Totally. You you feel a bit of judgment and you're like, but but we're allowed. I also think it's quite funny when you say, oh, I went for a walk. 
as my one exercise a day like like you know you just said about the cycling I feel like I do that all the time mm. I'm justifying that uh, and then I went to Tesco straight after actually um to really you know fit them in so I'm not going out yeah there's a lot of um, judgment isn't there yeah oh absolutely I think um you know and it's really bizarre because sometimes on the flip side is uh I was I was absolutely astonished when I went out on Saturday for a bike ride and I was cycling me and Tamsin were cycling down this road which is fine, obviously, because we were in the same household. And um, <laughs> this these, this group of cyclists, there was, there was about nine of them in groups mm-hmm. in cycling, which is obviously just absolutely ridiculous. And me and Tamsin had this big discussion afterwards of, should we have said something? Yeah, I saw kids playing football all together, like big group, and I was thinking, should I say something? But I, I mean... I'm guessing you didn't know. No, no, no. Well, to be fair, they they came past at about 20 mile an hour and we were going the opposite (laughs) direction. So I didn't really want to burst my lungs out either chasing them, shouting at them. Yeah, I also think, oh, I don't know. I think people, if they've got that attitude, they're just going to have that attitude anyway. Obviously, you try your best, but I don't know. Um, So so looking at the wider picture, when this is all over, what societal changes do you think we'll see? Do you want the optimist or the pessimist? I want both. <laughs> so the the optimist, my biggest concern generally is is the economy and what's going to happen yeah. there. I'm just thinking about historically. If you look historically at you know, because my I've got a family member who works in the cabinet office and he does bits of work on economic stuff and all the rest of it. And we were talking about it the other day, and and I think it's all public information. You know, we're talking about the loss of income due to this and if it goes on for 12 months we'll be at like the rates of where we were at in 1928 when all the kind of wall street crash happened and all of that stuff however the the what came out of that was that the government spent 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 and they tried to they offered all these new jobs it's where the federal theater project came out of you know all this huge investment in culture as well as industry so that's my optimist is that we might have like a new deal a 2020 new deal situation where the government just invest in the people and then there'll be lots of jobs and lots of opportunities and however knowing what the Tories have like and looking at 2010 when they said they had no money they just used it as an opportunity to cut public service and cut 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 so I don't that's the pessimist however I don't I can't imagine that they could really go for the NHS anymore given the amount of amazing work they've been doing the last months so yeah, and I also think it's quite ironic that the advertising that they've got at the moment, the slogan is protect the NHS. And um, all the time on Spotify, there's this, uh, you know, Mark Strong, he's doing this very, you know, um, gravelly voice and mm. protect the NHS. And I'm just like, but these are the people that I know they mentioned it and stuff in terms of Brexit and thing, but all in all, they want privatisation, right? Of course. So that's that's my biggest worry, that they'll use it as a huge opportunity to just say, let's privatise, let's privatise, let's privatise. That's my big concern. I was hoping that we'd continue as we are doing just now, which is protect the NHS and we'll pump more money into it. It's an interesting one for sure. And it'll be funny when we when we look back because maybe nothing will change. <laughs> maybe we'll just go back to being... Yeah, well, well you know, I think I, don't, I, I'm, I am... I think that's one thing that I am completely certain on is that there will be no return to the normal. Mm. I can't see how, really. Coming back to you rather than society, um, what have you learned about yourself so far? Uh, um, <laughs> I love that if I ask you, you always laugh first. <laughs> it's just, you know, because obviously I think like a Rolodex in my head flicks through about 100 answers. <laughs> All the rude ones. Well, which which one should I say? Which one shouldn't I say? You know, I just want to say, uh, for being an academic, I really don't like reading. 
reading. <laughs> <laughs> Which sometimes I don't. I've been trying to read this book for the last couple of days and I just really can't get onto it whatsoever. Mm. Um, but I think that's probably more to do with the book, really. Don't blame yourself, man. Well, you know, Blanche, I'm the, I'm the cause. I'm the reason for everything that's happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think is that sometimes I like to be a little bit lazy. Who doesn't? I think I've taught that. I think the idea is that there is no structure at the present. Is what, obviously I can be quite mm. disciplined. So, like I said, I've been working and all the rest of it. But you've got um certificate in terms of your education. You what have you done? <laughs> you've done like everything you can do, right? <laughs> well, yeah, kind of in some kind of way. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, maybe I. And I wonder if it is a strange time that I've just came off the back of all that last year, mm. and I'm kind of like, you know, let's let's kick it back yeah. now. Let's kick it all back and just let's watch Tiger King on repeat for four weeks and <laughs> drink Corona. You know, <laughs> exactly. Nice tying in of um, previous conversations. Well done. You've done this before. Well, exactly. Thank you. So where do you see yourself in three months' time? What's three months' time? What's that? Is that April, May, June, July? I'm hoping is that my friend's getting married. Um, So I'm hoping that I would have just either been there for her wedding, which would be lovely, but that's incredibly optimistic. But that's where I'd like to be Mm -hmm. in three months. So you think it's optimistic, so you don't think that'll be happening then? I I think some of those big things like international flights and all the rest of it will take quite a bit of time to get up and going again. So even if they late June they announce that it's all, let's get back to work, it'll take weeks, I think, to prove him to get back to what it was yeah um i was speaking to my friend just earlier and they were saying about china and apparently since they opened the borders they've now had a rise in cases again did you hear that no i haven't i haven't heard that yeah i don't know i always um seem to because i've tried to stop listening to the news as much as i can just because it was you know too depressing so now i just get all my information secondhand which probably means it's not fact so apologies if that is not okay so if someone was really you know, wound up and worried about this situation, um, what piece of advice would you give to them? I think, you know, generally, I think society is quite a resilient being. And, you know, I think in a strange way, like you're saying, the news is quite depressing. I think you only have to switch on the news as well is to see the amazing courage and hard work by people across key workers, as well as the NHS, social workers, uh, delivery drivers, you know, is that there is a, a common will here to overcome this. So that should that's probably what I would say is that we will we will get through this. We shall overcome. We shall overcome, yes. And the last question, which is not a formal one, how do you think my interview technique was? Did you think it was amazing? Blanche, everything you do turns to gold. <laughs> and I think that is the note that we will finish on because I like that. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for speaking to me today, especially when you're a busy bee, but maybe it's been productive rather than absolutely Blanchett you know every every time we you know every every (laughs) encounter we have Blanchett's I it etches it etches into my memory and it's you know I hold it fond sometimes for all the wrong reasons as well I was gonna say in a scarring way you keep it (laughs) um well thank you so much and goodbye goodbye (laughs) thanks for listening to isolation and me don't forget to subscribe and share and stay safe